Hi Chris, um, my name is Sue McDess, I'm a pH kinesthetist in Oxford uh, and I'm pleased to be chatting to Chris Evans here in the courtroom of St George's Hall in Liverpool. Just by way of introduction, Chris is an anaesthetic trainee with an interest in children's medicine, innovation and technology. He's passionate about co-design and has worked on multiple award-winning healthcare products. So Chris, first of all, thanks for agreeing to meet with me. Thank you for having Uh, me. Can you explain how your interest in paediatric perioperative anxiety started? So um, for me it all started a few years ago uh, when I was working in a district general hospital in London. Um, I was new to paediatric anaesthesia and I was quite shocked by how distressed and anxious children became um, during the induction itself. Uh, And I looked into some of the literature around paroptive anxiety and the management, and I was surprised to find rates of anxiety is quoted between 50 to 75% in the uh, international literature. Uh, I was even more taken aback by Keynes' 1996 uh, cross-sectional study, which for me is one of the the pivotal papers uh, in regards to paediatric anxiety research. Um, And Zeev Kane talked about the fact that 50% of children at at two weeks after surgery were having these negative regressive behavioural changes, things like bedwetting, nightmares, separation anxiety, Um, and these were ongoing in about 8% at one year. So if you put that into context in the UK, where we perform around 500,000 procedures per year, that's about 40,000 children having symptoms of bedwetting, nightmares and separation anxiety a year after surgery. And that, that surgery is simple as a, a grommet insertion to sort of complex cardiac care. So many of the studies I looked at were assessing um, distraction interventions, things like clown doctors, iPads uh, and the presence of parents during the induction of anaesthesia. Um, and these seem to be pretty effective at reducing anxiety, um, but there wasn't really much emphasis on sort of psychological preparation. I looked a little bit further back into the 1970s and 80s, and, and it was here that I found a lot of research looking at sort of video modelling techniques where children watch videos of other children having anaesthesia, and they can sort of mimic and copy behaviours and learn from them. Uh, and again, this was found to be a very uh, effective tool, but is um, in the mainstay of modern day preparation uh, is something that we don't do as much of as, as much of. There have been lots of studies looking at sort of the interactions with uh, behavioural psychologists and therapeutic play specialists, um, again, which have been shown to be effective, but one of the main limiting factors has been uh, the time taken to do these interventions and sort of the cost effectiveness of them. Um, So I went back to the team who I was working at at the District General Hospital uh, and I asked them why they weren't running a pre-assessment clinic. And and it was exactly these reasons. It was because of the the time it took and and because of the cost effectiveness of of running a pre-assessment. And so that's when I started looking into trying to create a psychological preparation tool that uh, could be done in the patient's own home, so taking away the time from from staff uh, and something that was a bit more engaging and interactive than sort of your standard information leaflet. So, um, and you chose to go down the electronic route, I'm guessing... Yeah, so I found, I saw through my sort of nieces and nephews how they interacted with technology. Um, I had my three-year-old niece who could make me a pizza and deliver it on the iPad, um, and she knew the process from beginning to end um, within a couple of minutes, and it really sort of made me realise that with the change in technology that's available, um, 
we could produce an intervention that was usable in the patient's own home uh, and something that was interactive and engaging. Okay, and is it tailored to your area of work? So um, the app at the moment is called uh, the Little Journey app uh, and it's tailored towards um, children aged 3 to 12 undergoing day case surgery. So for me there is a big difference in children with sort of chronic health conditions uh, and the psychological preparation that they need in comparison to say um, uh, an adenotonsillectomy. Um, so it's tailored towards the day case but we're looking to try and evolve and adapt into these sort of chronic conditions. Okay. And is it a, an app that people listening can go and download and tailor to, say, their base hospital? Yeah, so the app's available to download at the moment from the Android and iOS stores, so it's free to download. And it's called? And it's called the Little Journey Little app. Journey, okay. Um, and what we can do with the app is we can actually tailor it to individual hospitals. So if hospitals take 360 images of their environments, um, so the, the ward, the anaesthetic room, the recovery room, uh, and they can send this to us, um, we can um, upload it into the platform and provide them with a code and they can provide their patients with that code. So, so children can look around, familiarise and desensitise to the, the, where the procedure is actually going to be done, um, all, all at home. OK. I have to ask, is there, a, is there an expenditure for that service? No, so um, we are wanting to do this in something that's completely free. Uh, we want it to be free for the end user. Um, the, there are two options about how you can use the app. One is through a virtuality headset, um, and Google Drive. Oh, sorry, Google um, released the. They open sourced their virtuality headset design a couple of years ago, and this is one of the things that sort of helped the flurry and use of virtual reality. Um, and what they did was there by doing this they they reduced the cost of virtuality headsets. So there are um, the ones that we've been using in our trial cost about one pound thirty. So it's quite cheap as an intervention. Okay. Um, we've heard a little bit about virtual reality at the conference this, uh, today and I think tomorrow. Um, are there any negatives of, of VR? So 2017 is, was called sort of the, the year of virtual reality. Um, the, the gaming industry, gaming industry sort of really has, has been pushing it the last couple of years and the acceptability, usability and quality of VRs has massively improved. Um, we're also now saying that 2018, 2019 are going to be the years where we find out the problems with it. Um, we have one patient in our, our usability and acceptability trial that we ran at UCLH um, that developed headaches after using the app for about an hour and a half. Now, as soon as he stopped using the app, the headaches went away. Um, and he also had um, astigmatism as a child, so it's possibly that that, that was causing the issues. In, in some people, they can feel a bit sick, uh, sort of motion sickness, uh, and that happens because of the disconcordance between sort of the brain's understanding of, of what's going on and, and what they're seeing uh, and sort of the proprioception in the body. And just so I understand, at what point are they wearing the headset? Is this all done preoperatively at home? Yeah, so, so the app is designed to be used in the weeks leading up to surgery. Um, we've created a system uh, where 
we can give the app or we can give the headset either through the post or, or at the pre-assessment clinic appointment uh, and then children can keep themselves up to date with the information they've been told at pre-assessment uh, and they can use it again and again as many times as they want. Okay and do you have any um, sort of feedback or data on, on progress with the app so far? Yeah so we've um, we, before we released the app, we, we took it to the National Institute of Health Research Young Persons Advisory Group, um, and we took it to uh, 11 children uh, and asked them what they thought of the content and what they thought of the, the usability of the app, and they all really liked it, um, and we had really positive feedback from that. We also did a, an acceptability and usability trial where we divided children into two groups, one who received the app and one who received standard care, and we asked parents what they thought of the um, the app uh, because they also used it independently um, and and again they found it was you know, really usable it's something that they'd recommend to a friend or family um, there were one or two key points of learning that we took from this uh, this trial which was that often children were using it sort of four or five months before their surgery uh, so they use it for a month after the pre-assessment clinic and then not use it again mm-hmm. and so any learning that they did have was sort of gone by the time that they um, they came for surgery. So we're now creating a system by which we can notify and nudge parents based around their date of surgery mm-hmm. to say this is this is the right time to use it. Uh, and we're basing that on Kane's um, uh, studies that looked at when we should be preparing children at, at what sort of time point uh, according to age. feel for when that should be? So Kane's study, uh, which was only in about 160 patients, uh, said that children um, who are under six should be prepared in a couple of days before surgery. Um, children over six should be prepared for sort of one to two weeks, but no less than five days. So if you try to prepare psychologically a child less than five days before their operation who's over six years of age, their anxiety was worse than if you did nothing at all. So we're wanting to try and make sure the app's used at the right time, and we're doing this through providing content to parents as well, because they are the gatekeepers. Okay. And how are you sort of assessing their anxiety level? How are you determining, if you like, that it's worked? So there's lots of ways you can measure anxiety in both children and adults. Um, In children, obviously, they can't uh, answer questionnaires often, and it's very complex to to ask children difficult questionnaires. Um, So what we're doing is we're doing an independent observer scoring system through the modified Yale Paraoptive Anxiety Score. Uh, And this was a tool that was developed back in 1995 and has been iterated a few times since then. Um, And we're using this to sort of measure anxiety itself. Um, In parents, we're we're using a visual analogue scale to measure it. Uh, And we're also looking at surrogate markers of anxiety and sort of the sequelae of anxiety. So things like the post-hospital behavioural changes, um, emergence delirium, analgesic use as a recovery or or rescue agent in the recovery room, sorry. Um, So there's lots of markers that we're looking to use. Fantastic. So just to finish now, Chris, um, can you give us a a summary of where you see the future of how we manage paediatric perioperative anxiety? So a lot of the talks that we had today and this morning uh, about pre-assessment were was talking about sort of the cost effectiveness of running the interventions mm. uh, and I think trying to move the emphasis away from hospital into the patient's own home um, is a, a nice method to do this and using technology um, we can not only provide engaging and interactive uh, content but what we can also do is do in-app research to measure what people are feeling Uh, and through machine learning we can try and flag up children who 
maybe need a bit of extra assistance uh, and use that from sort of face-to-face interactions. We can also measure how children are recovering psychologically from surgery and again flag the ones that may need assistance. So I think there's a lot of work that we can done in this this area. On a day-to-day basis, I think we should be using a combination of distraction and psychological preparation um, because they both work on different elements of anxiety, one being state and the other being trait anxiety. Okay, fantastic. Well, very many congratulations on actually getting this project off the ground. I know from personal experience it's incredibly hard to actually develop an app and get it to this um, position of being freely available on um, iOS and Android. So just to confirm, it's the Little Journey app available on both platforms. Okay, Chris Evans, thanks very much. Thank you. Okay.